I will not be long, and uh, I, I, I only want to take a few minutes. Isaiah said it in chapter 7 of his prophecy in verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. The anticipation of Christmas, especially for kids. I, somebody said to me the other day, and I thought it was so, so real. Whoever thought of Santa Claus and all this business was, uh, was pretty cool. But let me tell you on this Sunday morning that we're not here to celebrate Santa Claus. We're not here to celebrate gifts. The only gifts we will celebrate is those that were brought by wise men to give honor to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in Bethlehem's manger. We wait for the day, we see the presents, we, we wrap them in pretty paper and we put bows and we have lights strung around our house and Christmas trees. Now let me tell you, I don't, I don't have anything against that. Somebody one time said, well, you know, that trees were an idol in the Old Testament. Wasn't talking about Christmas trees. And if you want to get to that debate and discussion, we'll have that sometime. We don't worship trees here. We don't worship lights here. We don't worship Santa Claus here. We worship Jesus here. Amen. And I told you a week ago that I was going to tell you a little bit about the real meaning of Christmas. To do that, I would have to go back to the God of the Old Testament. Amen. I got 30 minutes. It was possible, it was uh, possible to have a relationship with God, but only on a very limited basis in the Old Testament time. Consider, consider that after Adam and Seth and Enoch and Noah were said to have served God, out of all the thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands upon the people uh, of the people born after Adam, only three men are recorded in the Bible as serving God. Then from Noah, another 2,000 years passed until we finally get to Abram, or Abraham as you know him. And the Bible talks about Abraham and Melchizedek are the only two people of their generation that are said to have served God. Down through time, Isaac, Jacob, and his sons 400 years later, we get Moses who is given to the law by God on the mountain. The law allows for limited contact with God. I just want you to see something. By a very special class of people known as the Levitical priesthood. But it was not designed for the common everyday man to have real relationship with God. The Bible said in John 4, 24, that God is a spirit. Everybody say that with me. God is a spirit. I want you to look at your neighbor on this Sunday morning, and I want you to say this to them. God is not a person. God is a spirit. And in the Old Testament, God dwelt as a spirit. You have to understand that to know the real meaning of Christmas. King David became a man after God's own heart. He was a man who was not a priest, but still managed to build strong relationship. 
It was Job, a righteous man. If ever one existed, he, he, he wrote these words about God. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. And he expresses the desire to find God or to find his throne. And because God was a distant voice to his people, he spoke to Moses, he spoke to the judges, he spoke to the prophets of old. He told, the the prophets of old told the people what God said, but there was very limited access to God. All he was was a spirit that, that dwelt and talked and moved and some were close to him, but others had no relationship with him. But then there were the words of the prophet Isaiah saying there's going to be a sign. A virgin is going to conceive and he's going to bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Would you say that with me? Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? It means God with us. What Isaiah was prophesying about was that God himself was going to become flesh and we can behold him now in his glory. What he was saying was the God that men could not really have relationship with in the Old Testament was about to become the incarnate God, the God who was born in flesh. For you see, and I must tell you this, some of you will and may understand already, but you see, there was not a second God that came. The Bible said that God the Spirit overshadowed Mary the Virgin and she became a child. So Jesus Christ's Father was a spirit and his mother was flesh. And if you don't believe that, you don't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ because she never knew a man. I can't get too deep with kids around here, but you understand. God, God himself overshadowed Mary and she conceived and was with child. She brought forth a son who was 100% God and 100% man. As God, he walked on water. As God, he healed the lepers. As God, he raised Lazarus from the dead. As God, he turned water into wine. As God, he broke the loaves and fishes and fed 5,000. He was God in every respect, but as man, he slept and he hungered and he wept. It's all in the scripture. The Bible said the son of man hath not a place to lay his head. He was man in every sense. But aren't you glad that God who was so distant from mankind in the Old Testament became God of the New Testament in the flesh of Jesus Christ. That baby that was born. You want to know what the real meaning is? The meaning is this, is that we have access to him. We can now see him and we can now know him and we have a a relationship with him because of Bethlehem's manger. Somebody shout God with us. 
You see, we don't, we don't, what we're talking about now is that God who spoke the world into existence, God who made every man and made the trees and the rivers and all the animals and the elements of the earth, God, that same God, now says, I'm going to robe myself in flesh and I'm going to walk among men. Let me tell you why he did it. He didn't do it for because of flamboyancy. He didn't do it because he wanted to show his stuff. He didn't do it because he wanted people to know that he really, he did it, the Bible said, to seek and to save lost man. As a matter of fact, when the angel spoke to Mary and said, you're going to have a son, she said, I want you to call his, or the angel said, I want you to call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. There was an ultimate reason for Bethlehem's manger. It wasn't so that we could have bright lights and presents. It was so that we could find Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and know him through the power of the Holy Ghost in our life. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. You see, I, I, I gotta walk you through it real quick. Real quick, Jesus, he's our Emmanuel. But I got to thinking about this, and so true it is. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. But if you didn't live in Israel, and you didn't live in the 33 and a half years when he was there, you didn't get to see him. And he's not really with us in flesh. Are you with me? He walked 33 and a half years upon this earth and they crucified him. We know that. And he died and he, and he rose again. We understand that. But if you say Emmanuel, I guess those that were there in that time that lived in that part of the world. And I was thinking driving on the interstate early this morning on the way to this church. I went to Israel. It's not very big. They walked everywhere they went. You can see everything within just a, a few miles. It's, it's, it's an amazing place. But when they say he came from here, it wasn't very far. It was people walking. It was people making their way. So, so when Jesus came, he was was with that society. He was with that generation. He was visible to those whom he walked with and talked with. You say, well then how can he be Emmanuel to us? Let me tell you how. Because Jesus stood one day and looked at his disciples and he said, now I am with you, but I am going to be in you. I'm coming back. But I'm not coming back in flesh. I'm coming back through the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, I'm going to send it in my name. So when he left on the mountain of ascension and he left this world, could I tell you that he did not leave us without Jesus, the Son of Man and the Son of God. Let me tell you what he did. He turned around and in Acts chapter 2, he came back to indwell the flesh of men and he said I'm coming in the form of the Holy Ghost so we do have Christ with us Paul said it in his writing he said it is Christ in you the hope of glory Christ lives in us today I'm telling you the real meaning of Christmas I'm telling you there's more to it than donkeys and camels and wise men and shepherds there's more to it than a manger in Bethlehem there's more to it than hark the herald angels sing at shepherds on a hillside. 
There's more to it. There's a meaning behind Christmas. He said, Adam sinned, Eve sinned, death came by sin, so I got to go redeem my people. And he left heaven's portals. He left the ivory throne room of God. And he came down in Bethlehem's manger. And he put on the body of a baby. And he grew up like you and I did, tempted in all things such as we are. But the reason he came was to save us from our sin. So on this Christmas holiday, while you're opening gifts and you're sitting around tables and and you're having family time and all of it's good, I'm not against any of that. I'll do every bit of that this week. But I will remember the true meaning of Christmas. It's God with us. It's not only God with us, it's God in us. Hallelujah. I've come to tell you there's only one God. Can I preach just a little bit? There's only one God. There is not two. There is not three. There is not four. There is not five. There is only one God. And his name is Jesus. You say, how do you get that, preacher? Because in the Old Testament, he was God in the spirit. In the New Testament, he became Jesus, God in the flesh. And when he left this earth, he became the Holy Ghost, God inside of us. He's not three gods, he's one God with three manifestations of one God. That's why we're gonna bury some folks in the next few days in the name that is above every name. His name is not Father. His name is not Son. His name is not Holy Ghost. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. He said you're going to call him Jesus because he's going to save people from their sin. Aren't you glad you know the Jesus of Bethlehem today who is the one true God of the scriptures today? I challenge you this morning. I challenge you to do a little studying if you're in this room today and you don't understand what I'm saying. Jesus is the only fleshly manifestation of the one true God that you will ever lay eyes on. And God said in the Old Testament, everybody with me today? I didn't intend to preach all this, but I think I will. Jesus said in the Old Testament, let me get over here and preach this group a while. I hadn't seen y'all lately. He said, God said in the Old Testament, he said, There is no other God beside me. He said, I am the only God. There's not one above me. There's not one beside me. There's only one God. I can present to you 40 scriptures today, real quick, that tell the the, the word of God, through the word of God, that there is only one God. You say, preacher, you don't really believe that. Yes, I believe that. Because I believe that one true God that dwelt in the Old Testament as a spirit. The Bible said, the Bible didn't, you know what? John 1.18, go read it today when you get home. Don't do it now. You're going to be pulling out your phones and your Bible, and I can't keep your attention. but read it when you get home. John 1, 18, you know what it says? No man. Somebody shout, no man. No man has ever seen God at any time. Nobody. Somebody said, I saw God. No, you did not. 
because God is a spirit. You saw a fleshly manifestation of God when you saw Jesus Christ. You made the Old Testament. He appeared. Yes, he did. In Theophanies. He appeared as an angel. He appeared as a donkey. Yes, he did. And God, God spoke out of a donkey. It's way deep in theology today. Some of you not grasping it, but I want to tell you what's happening. I want to tell you the real meaning of Christmas, and you can't understand it till you understand that God was a spirit that became flesh. That's why the Bible said he is the living word incarnate. That's why John chapter 1 said, John chapter 1 said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And verse 14 said, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You know what that means? That God put on flesh. And when God put on flesh, he dwelt among us. Tell me Jesus is, he's not just another preacher. He's not just another prophet. He's not just a figment of the imagination. He was the God of glory incarnate in flesh. He revealed himself through flesh. And if you want to know who Jesus is, he's the only God, the almighty God. Why did Jesus say, I have all power in heaven and in earth. If he was God number two, then God number three or God number one or God number five didn't have any power because Jesus said, I have all power in heaven and in earth. I'm feeling preaching my bones today. The real meaning of Christmas. I can tell you this. You've already caused me to have to diet some more. And I like it. I'll just keep dieting, you keep cooking. Amen. I gripe when I diet, but it sure feels good when I'm eating. Anybody get, understand where I'm coming from? Could I get a witness here today? So... Eat on. Rejoice on. Buy your kids a Christmas present. Nothing wrong with that. Buy your wife something. If you don't, you're going to be in trouble. Enjoy your family. Talk about how great it is to be with one another at Christmas. In a few weeks, months, we're going to celebrate another time. It's called Easter. You know what we're going to celebrate? His death, his burial, and his resurrection. He couldn't have died if he wasn't born. He couldn't have took the sins of the world on his shoulders if he wasn't born. He came to save his people from their sin. Am I right? God looked through time. He saw what a mess we's going to be in. He sees the world in 2021 back when because he's God and he knows the end from the beginning. He knows every step that mankind takes. He knows where we are and who we are and what we are. So God saw us. He saw how lowly and weak we were in human flesh. He understood that. And so here he comes. Let me tell you, when he was on this earth, he, he was such a great 
God wrapped up in flesh because he wanted to make relationship with everybody. You ever read about Mary and Martha and Lazarus, his friends? You know what? There was nothing particularly religious about them. It doesn't say they they were descended from the priesthood and they had a religious upbringing. The Bible doesn't say that. But I tell you what they did. They climbed to the same level of Abraham because they were called the friends of Jesus. So he just came to common men. Do you think Zacchaeus might have been a priest? No, Zacchaeus was a thief. He was a tax collector. Everybody in this room don't like tax collectors. Come on now. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was not an honest man. He was not a well-liked man in his town. He was short and wee of stature, kind of like me. Couldn't see over the head of the crowd. Went and got in a tree so he could just see Jesus. And Jesus stopped the whole crowd and looks up in the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. Salvation has come to your house today. Why? Because he dwelt among common men. He come for common men. Thank God that he did. Peter, James, and John, they weren't anything special. You know what they were? Oh, burly fishermen that stayed out on the sea all night. They were unlearned men. They were not educated men. But Jesus called them to be his disciples. You know why? Because he came to save the people from their sin. So you don't have to be rich and you don't have to have a pedigree in religion and you don't have to be a theological uh, master and you don't have to know all these things. All you have to do is know that Jesus loves you and he loves you so much. I'm going to take you, if you will, put it on the screen. John 3.16. I want you to see something. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Somebody said, y'all don't believe in the Father and the Son. Yes, we do. We believe the Father's spirit, the Son is flesh, and the Holy Ghost is spirit. And they're not an- that Holy Ghost is not another spirit. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But watch this, the next verse, verse 17. For God, God, the Spirit, sent not his Son into the world, that's Bethlehem's manger, but that the world, to condemn the world, but that the world through him. He didn't send him down here to beat, on you, beat you on the head. God, look, there's, there's a song that came out years ago, Jesus Christ Superstar. Y'all remember that song? Anybody remember that? Don't believe a word of that song. That God turned his head while his son died, and all that stuff, that's about your baloney. God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world. He didn't come to point an accusing finger at you. He didn't come through Bethlehem's manger to make you feel bad all the time. He came to lift you up. He came to save you. He came to help you. And Bethlehem's manger is not about condemnation. It's about coming and and so that people like you and I could know him through a powerful relationship called the Holy Ghost. Is anybody hearing my voice today? He sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent his son to save the world. So I'm preaching to you what the real meaning of Christmas is. 
on this Sunday morning is that Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem's manger to have relationship with mankind and to save people from their degradation and their sin and their ungodly and worldly habits and to pull them out of darkness and out of the miry clay and set them on the highway of holiness and to fill them with his spirit. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something today. I never have seen Jesus. The closest I ever came was I went to Israel and I saw all the places that he walked and I went to his tomb and I seen all that but I've never seen Jesus but I'll tell you what I do know I do know that his presence is in this house I do know that he filled me with his Holy Spirit I do know that he's the God of the eternal ages because I have relationship with him and if you want to understand him better find him at an altar of repentance and let him fill you with his spirit today hallelujah hallelujah God with us he's with us today he's with us today I wish you could understand what dwells inside you today if you have been filled with his spirit this is why the spirit of God is so important this is why it's so important Jesus stood in John chapter 7, and I hurry today. I'm cognizant of the time. In verse 37, he said this. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And I love this next verse. But thus spake he of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. You know what that scripture's saying? They didn't have the Holy Ghost yet because Jesus hadn't went to Calvary yet. And Jesus hadn't rose again yet. But he was saying, when I do die and when I do rise again, you're going to be able to receive my spirit in you. And what lives in, in people in a born-again state, filled with the Holy Ghost, is the Spirit that spoke the world into existence. The Spirit that overshadowed Mary and she got pregnant. The Spirit that said, let there be light and there was light. The spirit that did all of that is with me today. So the promise is still good. Emmanuel, God with us. Aren't you glad that you don't have to go to a priest on this Sunday morning and let him go into the Holy of Holies and offer your sacrifice to you for you? Aren't you glad that when Jesus died, that the veil was rent in twain from top to bottom in the temple. This was the whole purpose of Bethlehem, so that you could have access to Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for that today? To know that you can talk to him and walk with him and feel him and know him through the power of God. We have access to Jesus today. We're not here at Bethlehem's manger. We're not bowing before a cradle today. We're, we're not able to go do that again. 
but we're going to celebrate in just a few days the day he was born. I doubt seriously it was December the 25th. That's a day that we've set aside. But here's what I don't doubt. I don't doubt that he was born in Bethlehem's manger. I don't doubt that he put on flesh and became God with us. I don't doubt that he came to save his people from their sin. I don't doubt that one bit. And for whatever day it may be, God, we give you praise for Bethlehem's manger. We give you praise because we know the true meaning of what this is all about. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. When I think about what he done for us at Bethlehem's manger, he left glory to become man and, and to die on a cross so you and I could be here this morning. Shall we stand all over this house today? Hallelujah, hallelujah. This is why we sing joy to the world. This is why we sing, oh, come let us adore him. This is why we stand in awe of the goodness and the presence of God on a Sunday morning because God loved us enough to come and save us. Hallelujah. Father, let the Holy Spirit of God, let's let it move all through this congregation right now. Let the presence and the power of God saturate our people during these holidays, Lord. Don't ever, Lord, let us forget what you have done for us. By becoming man, by putting on and robing yourself in flesh, by living upon the face of this earth to understand mankind that you may even better. Thank you, Jesus, for Bethlehem's manger. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for all that you mean to us. And we give you praise as God. You really are the King of kings. You really are the Lord of lords. You really are the great I am. And you really are the Christ of Christmas. Thank you today. Would you give the Lord a hand?